Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Greetings, friend. Have you come seeking knowledge of a world that is shrouded in darkness and untold horrors? A world where evil lurks around every corner and only the bravest and most skilled warriors can hope to survive? Or perhaps you seek the refuge of the fireside and be surrounded by humanity tonight. Perhaps a story to pass the time. I am Loder Ibn Lee, a keeper of the old tales. That one with the large array of weapons and deep, knowing gaze is known as Kyrie. They are a stalwart and powerful companion, and will not harm you. That other one? Ah, yes. Faience. She is a necromancer of great power, and seeks to aid humanity in our darkest hour. We are the Lore Watch. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the last episode of our series in Diablo 4 Story Lore. Uh, joining us again, besides just, you know, Matt. Matt's always here. He's my stalwart companion into this world of darkness that we delve into, which I'm always appreciative of. Thank you, Matt. Uh, but we're also joined again by Liz Harper, our wonderful editor-in-chief, uh, herder of kittens, and uh, raiser of bone skeleton armies. Roughly the same skill set. About the same. <laughs> All right. So today we are going to be talking about uh, the last two acts of the story in Diablo 4. So we're going to talk about Act 5, and then there is a little bit afterwards. Uh, so Act like six, excuse six? me. Yeah. <laughs> so many X6. I apologize. Uh, so, I mean, let's get started. Go ahead. There's a lot going on. There is. So. Who wants to start with Act 6? Liz, Matt? Liz. You go for it, Matt. No. <laughs> I always talk too much. All right, Liz, give us a breakdown. So what, what is Act 6 about? I mean, Act 6 is your descent into hell. The whole story has been building towards this, towards, you know, confronting Lilith. 
And we know from Rathma's prophecy back at the very beginning that, uh, you know, Lilith has been searching for a way into hell. She's been searching for a key to hell, which she got way back in Act 1. She's been searching for a path into hell, which she got in Act 2 when she got Astaroth to give her passage. And now we are chasing after her and she has found a passage to hell under the city of Chaldeum. And I think I think we all suspected we were going to come back to the city of Chaldeum. We've been here before, and uh, now we're back. I think these are some of the most striking visuals in Diablo 4, because you're going into this Chaldeum, which we were in in Diablo 3. This was a big thing where we confronted Belial here. But now you have this golden, this beautiful golden city, and it's it is literally raining blood. The streets are full of blood. It's it's actually extremely disturbing. And uh, you've, you know, you've gathered your allies. You've spent all game gathering everyone up. You have your soul stone with you. You have uh, Donan and Loreth and Nairel are all with you. And uh, you come here and you see the Cathedral of Light has brought their armies all the way through Kedjistan to Chaldeum, and they have not been very kind about it. They have been slaughtering heretics as they have come. They have, uh, you learn in a quest a little after this, that they've actually told all of their knights that, yeah, everyone here has been joined the Triune cult. They're all cultists, you know. Just no get exceptions, rid of everyone. They, yeah, yeah, they have been just tearing through Kedjistan, slaughtering everyone. So you go into Chaldeum, you meet Prava and her knights, and you're like, okay, uh, maybe we can, maybe we can work together here. Maybe we can go into hell together. And Prava's not too thrilled about that. Um, Actually, I think we're leaving. But something you know, out. You're, there, there's something we are leaving. Yeah, I have jumped a, a little ahead here. Uh, you, of course, meet Inarius, who is ready for his glorious, yeah, his glorious prophesized being the spear-piercing hatred's heart. He is he is full of, uh, you know, vigor, and he's preaching to the army he's gathered. We are going to destroy hatred. We're going in here. I will, you know, it's the moment of our victory, etc., etc. And, uh, you know, I, I do wonder about this moment because Lorath comes in and you talk to Inarius, and he's like, yeah, look, we've got a soul stone. We're going to handle this. And of course... Inarius is, he's very convinced of this prophecy. He's totally sold. He is the one the prophecy is about. He is the one who is p- going to pierce hatred's heart. And, you know, we don't need a soul stone. Why are you even here? Because the prophecy says, and the prophecy is about me, that there's going to be a spear of light piercing hatred's heart. And uh, I've got to take care of that. I don't even know why you're here. Just go away. And he takes the soul stone. Yeah, I, it was an odd it was an odd sequence, right? Because yeah. you kind of curious, like on one hand, I've heard people try to argue that this was this was Lorath being wily and like understanding that them holding the soul stone was potentially uh, a problem. And then there's other people that are just like, uh, no, he's just an idiot. He's just a braggadocious idiot who can't stand uh, Anarius and wanted to basically throw up the two fingers at him. And I can't decide which one is more likely. It's neither of them. Oh? Okay, what do you think? I don't want to spoil it because we are going to be talking about it as we go through this. But I'm going to say now, pay attention to where that soul stone goes and whose hands it ends up in. Hmm. That's all I'm going to say. That's fair. But, but when you watch this, Lorath is attempting to circum- circumvent what he believes to be the prophecy. 
he thinks he knows what it means. And that's a big thing. Throughout this game, a lot of people think they know what it means. Mm-hmm. Lilith thinks she knows what it means and doesn't really care. Um, <clears throat> whatever. Rathma was pretty sure that he knew what it meant uh, and seems to be the only one who did actually manage to piece that out. And you'll notice he's the one who went and asked the serpent for help. He's the one who went to the serpent and said, I don't understand, you know, help me work this out. And the serpent's like, okay. And they pieced it together through uh, by looking through uh, Rathma's mind. Obviously, Anarius has always believed he knows what it means. And we're about to find out how that ends up for him. And the person who ends up with the soul stone is, I, I just going to say, what, we'll come back to this. I will, I will yeah, explain it when we get there. So let's keep moving on. So after, after Anarius takes the soul stone, uh, this is where, you know, everybody is sort of have this despair. You have Don and, uh, and, and Nayral going, well, what do we do now? You're just kind of there. And Lorath reminds everybody that this changes nothing, that, that nothing has changed and we have to press forward. We have well, to get also, into hell. He does mention something else that I thought was interesting. He basically says with or without the soul stone, we've got the next best thing right here. And he points at you. Yeah. You know, I didn't, so- I didn't Nyrell say that. Nyrell Maybe also says said that it. later. Yeah. But considering this, point, this is after you've beat, you fought Andariel. He basically says, this is the only person around who's even fought off a lesser evil. This is, this is it. This, mm-hmm. this, you know, your, your, your main character is essentially our, our best hope. If we don't have the soul stone. Yeah, and not just fought off, but one, right? You are yeah. you are a weapon, right? Like you are that that is your entire purpose of a character. And not only can you not only do you know what Lilith is doing better than anybody else because you can see it all, uh, but because you've actually successfully done what other people can't do. You have fought these things. The last time somebody did all that, uh, was depending on how you look at it, either Diablo two or Diablo three. You know, you are essentially that kind of person back again and that's the point he makes it's like you know we've got this is the next best option so we have to press onward they don't have one of these they don't have you so and you you follow up after the uh, the cathedral light yeah. so in at this point then what you do is you have a conversation with prava uh and you tell her that you also seek the hellgate uh, and that Lorath makes the point that even Prava can't really argue against, even though initially they try to, which is that together, that if you work together, including the fact that Prava knows you've done some pretty, pretty heavy lifting on certain things, especially if you've done any side quests or anything else in between, uh, that she will agree to let you walk with them, rally the troops uh, and then you start making your way through. And this is uh, call, called the Scouring of Chaldeum. And there is a reason. This city is not only being covered in a rain of blood, it is being covered in a rain of demons. Uh, and every step you take, you are just waylaid by the forces of a demonic uh, essence. Uh, it is a very almost cinematic sequence in this sort of quest. Mm-hmm where you're going through and you're getting to these choke points where the demons are actually employing strategy. They're trying to pin you in. They're actually being smart about it instead of just throwing gibbering hordes of things at you. And so you have to break off and you have to get to the rooftops and you have to break the siege engines or siege demons essentially from the top of, of the, the rooftops. They have to go from rooftop to rooftop offering cover to the party below you, your, your compatriots, as well as the, the church of the light. 
and make your way through. And it's a really cool sequence. I actually really, really mm-hmm. like it. Uh, and it culminates in a boss fight with uh, Uznu. I think it's the Uznu the Annihilator. It essentially looks like a bloodthirster from Warhammer 40k, and I'm sort of here for it. <laughs> um, and then you wind up getting through and you break through. You beat it to death with a sword that's bigger than it. Uh, and you make your way back down to linking up with your party as you continue to push forward. Um, I don't think I'm really missing anything in that sequence because it is sort of more a cinematic sequence of adventure and and that than it is storytelling. But well, then- there is there's go ahead. I, I do want to break in with one little bit of dialogue that I think you get either slightly before this happens or early in it which is you run into a group of cultists kind of before you get into kind of the big demon push. Oh yeah. You run into, yeah. I think this is a very key moment and it's very, it's very washed over. It happens very quickly in the middle of a lot of other stuff and you kind of move past it. And maybe you didn't even remember it because you run into some cultists. They're kind of the standard triune thing, you know, worshiping the mother, you know, mothers, they have names like mother's hand and things like that. Uh, so it's like, oh, we're, you know, we're here. We're going to kill them because that's what we do. We kill, we kill evil cultists. But uh, what they say as you walk in on them is this rain of blood, the sign we've waited for, as the Lord of Hatred said, our time is now cull the weak. And you may, you may notice a little thing in there. It's as the Lord of Hatred said, not the daughter of hatred, yep. the Lord of Hatred. Yeah. So definitely noticed that. Yeah, I think this is very interesting because we've gone through this whole time thinking, oh, well, the Triune has turned to worshipping Lilith because Lilith's going to give them all of this power over demons and they don't have to serve the prime evils who treat them like slaves. But here we see at least a small group of Triune that's saying, hmm, wow, the Lord of Hatred is right. He told us all of this is going to happen and now we need to do whatever, whatever he's commanded us to do. They look like they're still serving Mephisto. So I think this is very interesting and i'm curious where where the diablo story team intends to take this from here yeah because this is this is where i don't want to say the plot thickens but it, <laughs> it starts to highlight some questions that i started asking much earlier in the game honestly as early as uh our first meeting with the wolf um mm-hmm. so but we're gonna get to that because i think it, it it sort of continues on from there so uh, after you go through and you you help your your buddies and everybody through, you wind up facing uh, Duriel, the Lord of Pain. Now Duriel was in Diablo three. It's one of the lesser evils, and this is fully formed. So once again, you uh, you wind up having to go through and fight a lesser evil while everybody else bounds off. And it's interesting where it's placed. Because did Duriel make a uh, a deal with uh, Lilith, or did Duriel make a deal with Mephisto? But either way, well, also um, we should point out I don't I don't think Duriel was in Diablo three. I think he was in Diablo two. Diablo two. Uh, yeah, well, I thought Duriel. No, I thought Andariel was in Diablo two. I thought Duriel was in Diablo three. No, he was not. Andariel uh, and Duriel were. In no, Diablo you are correct. You sorry, I apologize. No, the the two lesser evils that we see in Diablo three are Belial. Who we see in Chaldeum, I'm going to be mentioning that later, and Asmodon, <laughs> who we see all the way up uh, in what, what is left of Mount Ariat, so the Dreadlands. Um, those are the two that we see. No, we don't actually see any primevals on Azeroth except for Sanctuary. Uh, <laughs> oh, sorry, Sanctuary. We don't see any primevals in Diablo 3 except Diablo, 
who we see very briefly in act four before he goes off to, you know, I mean, in act three, before he goes off to act four, which is in heaven. So technically speaking, the last evil to walk Azeroth was Asmodon before these two showed up. Uh, so yeah, it is, it's, it's interesting for that too. There's, there's a lot going on here. I definitely think that Mephisto is something to look, to be looking at. One yeah. thing, one thing that did get mentioned around Andariel was that, you know, Andariel didn't care that they were going to use her as just some sort of battery in order to defeat other evils. She was like, hey, there's a lot of delicious suffering down yeah, here they're gonna on suffer, Sanctuary. Right? And I can, yeah, yeah, I can feast on it. She didn't care. And, you know, Duriel is, the Lord of you know, Pain. also, yeah, he's also into suffering. I wonder if this was just the same thing. Hey, well, they're twins, come to right? Sanctuary. They're, they're siblings. Yeah. yeah. Come to Sanctuary, hang out, kill some people, enjoy all of this suffering that's going on. Like, I, I mean, I think it's, it's the, the main difference between the two of them, which I think feeds into this, what Liz is saying, is that Andariel is all about suffering and anguish, mental torment. Duriel is about physical torment. And oh my word, are we seeing a lot of that? Like, you know, this whole exp- this whole game has been, look at all the pain. Look at the pain everyone is suffering. Mental anguish, absolutely. Physical anguish, oh yeah, plenty of that. So yeah, the two of them, it's almost like as, as the two of them in the lesser evils basically are wild cards. Hmm. They'll go wherever the things that they want are. Does that mean helping Diablo in D2? Sure. Does that mean banishing Diablo before the events of the original game? Sure. They don't care. Will people get hurt? Will they be in pain? Will they suffer? Should you sign us up? Well, I think that, that marks the difference. I think that marks the difference between the lesser and the prime evils, right? The lesser evils seem to be constructs of their vice, almost. And I think this sort of goes a little bit to to sort of like hammer that home. They don't care. They They, they want to do their thing and they want to do only their thing. Whereas the prime evils have a more, I don't want to say a long view of, of how to get there, what they want to go, but they're a little more multidimensional. Yeah. They have a broader portfolio, but they're also a little more diverse in their choices, right? Like look at going back to the sin war trilogy books, like, you know, here's a whole church set up and here's trying to get it that way. They understand sort of, I'm trying to think of how to phrase it. They have a better understanding of humanity and sanctuary and what it is and what the long-term gains of it are versus the lesser evils who prey upon only their thing and don't really look long-term. It's a difference between short-term planning and long-term planning. Prime evils are capable of long-term. We could debate that with Belial and Asmodon, but for right now, let's move on because... What you're saying ties into more stuff that I want to say. So yeah, I have to keep quiet. <laughs> so after you, so much, so much. So after you uh, defeat Unduriel, you wind up making your way through, and uh, you find you make me. me ugh, wow, words are hard. You link back up with Nerel. Uh, you speak with Lorath in the Imperial Library. And let me just go ahead. Let me jump in briefly. When you meet Duriel, it's you have broken off from the party to like open a door for them, and then you're stuck on the other side. You're like going off on your own. Duriel's really like a little side trip. You run into him while trying to get back to the rest of the party, and it's like no one even knows you had this fight, which yep. I think is a little hilarious. You just go and you're like walking to get back to everyone else, and it's like, oh yeah, I just fall to lesser evil. Yeah, actually, the thing yeah, is, you just- don't even know. Like, your yeah. character even says that was horrible. What was that thing? Could that have been another one of those lesser evil things? Ugh. You know, like you don't know what that yeah, was. You're, you're, not you're, a, not. you're not a Haradrim. You're not a, you're not a Nephilim adventurer from yeah. the olden days. 
Yeah, and there's no one to explain it to you, and you don't stop and take the time to get it explained because there's just so much going on. I think there's it's a no perfect time. little bit. Yeah, there's a perfect little bit in the game of them just saying, you know, this happened, and you, why would you tell them? There's demons everywhere. Yeah. What's one more? But it's just, it's really, it's a funny moment. And I've heard some people saying, wow, you kind of, this little Duriel fight, it's kind of wasted because it just came and went and it didn't feel impactful, but it, it feels like this whole interesting intricate gem of a moment that shows you defeating this very powerful being on your own without help without friends without anything and it's so unnotable that you're just like huh well was that another lesser evil Uh, i guess well gotta move on now yeah stuff is is afoot i don't have time for this there are more important things to do uh like go to the library meet up with my friends and then uh, find the door that leads to the path of the uh, Cathedral of Hatred, where you are trying to get to Lilith. And you do. You find the gateway, uh, which is a gigantic door with bar relief. And if you've ever, when you log into the game and you're looking at the door that the game is loading screen on, that's the door. Looks horrible. Looks like it's got a bunch of bodies fused into it. And it cracks open. And uh, right in front of it is a set of blood petals which shows you exactly what happened with Lilith walking through. Uh, and I'm going to stop talking and turn it over to one of you two for the next portion. All right. Um, I've been reticent, so I'll jump in. When you see, we've all seen the cinematic of <clears throat> the little bit of Inarius's forces stepping into hell and the demons rushing them and them stabbing them and new stuff and then stabbing. And then Inarius is above floating and he sees Lilith in the crowd and he beelines for her. And a lot of demons attack him, and he starts wiping them out, you know, in his fury because he's an archangel, uh, as he himself doesn't mention very often. And that's all there. We see all of that, but then we see more. We see him chase her to a tower. Um, I think the tower is important. I honestly can't remember, like, if there's a specific name to it. But he's chasing her. He he abandons his troops. He doesn't care about them. He's gonna be the spear piercing hatred's heart. Uh, his his troops are still fighting without him, and they're doing fine until he catches up with Lilith, and they have a confrontation, and he attacks her, and uh, it looks at first like he is going to kill her, like he stabs her right in the st- and like it looks like he goes in the stomach. Yeah, but, I mean, obviously, I, you know, doesn't really. I do wonder. It's like piercing hatred's heart. Does he need an anatomy an anatomy lesson because he yeah. yeah he definitely stabbed her through the stomach. Yeah, but she basically points out, have you heard from heaven? This whole time you've been on sanctuary, have they have they talked to you? Has anybody told you that this would work? That you they take you home? And he's like, no, I haven't heard from them. But and she's like, that's because they don't want you. They they're the ones who who let my father take you. They don't want you. They've never wanted you. And he like he loses it. He gets like super angry. But she takes the opportunity while he is he's losing it to basically you know turn the tables on him. And as she's killing him. She basically makes the point that everything he did was for nothing. He didn't understand the prophecy. He didn't know what he was doing. And now, like the whipped fool he is, he's going to die. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. I don't remember exactly what she said. Liz probably has really good notes on it. But the point is, she kills him right there. And when he dies, he explodes in pain and rage and screams. And that's the moment his forces hear him die. And that's the moment where hell begins to well, turn that, the tide. That's Go interesting. Ahead. That's interesting, though, in that moment, because like... As an outside observer, all they see is this burst of light and what, I mean, it could be a scream of pain, it could be a scream of battle, it's it's a weird, ethereal, like, sound, but it's interesting because they know in that moment 
uh, I think more based off of the demons reactions than actually seeing the event because the demons look back and then notice that and then they turn back to the humans. They're reinvigorated. You can tell they just, this is like a battle cry to them. Yeah. They, they know that things are going their way. And so basically what you get, I I do want to cover this and then you can jump in. mm -hmm. You you basically get this scene of Prava trying to, to bring everyone back around, trying to reignite that spirit, but it's a route. And And she's dragged down. See Trava get dragged off of a, you know, whatever she was standing on and a, 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 a giant demon. It was a Balrog. It was a very, it was a very dramatic scene. This is one of the best cut scenes. I think blizzard has ever made. Yeah. It's really good. Go ahead, Liz. I, I'm sorry. Well, I just wanted to, to stop on that moment with Inarius and Lilith for a second. I, there's one thing that I haven't decided. Maybe y'all have some insight here. Does Lilith really care about Rathma? Is she upset that Rathma is dead? Because back in the first cinematic, uh, well, not the very first cinematic, but back in Act One, you see her find his body, and she is like, "Everything you might have been has been taken from me." And you definitely get she's she's upset. Her boy's dead. She is she is angry. But you also get this feeling that everything you might have been has been taken from me. It's not so much a sorrow that Rathma is dead or has been killed. It's he has been taken from her. It's about her less than him. And but in this moment you see them talk again about Rathma and she asks, you know, why why did you do this? And some of the facial expressions here are really amazing. If you uh I mean go rewatch the cinematic. Oh, yeah, there's definitely. a lot of subtlety in the animation and her, you know, just the look in her eyes when she asks him about Rathma and he says, you know, I had to do it. Had to do it for heaven. <laughs> And I just, I keep wondering, I keep coming back to this point. Is she upset? Does she have an actual love for her children? And beyond that, for generally the people of Sanctuary, is there an actual affection kind of buried underneath all of this? Or does she see all of Sanctuary, even Rathma, as a possession that is being taken from her? What do y'all think? I think that Lilith is still a demon and the daughter of Mephisto. However, that works. Uh, we've never really gotten any real answers as to right. who the, mo- the the mother of Lucian and Lilith are. Is in fact maybe Mephisto is the mother. I don't know. Um, but regardless, I think that she will always, for lack of a better word, she will always make the decision that would seem wrong to us because she doesn't have. Both angels and demons don't have the other perspective. They mm-hmm. only have their own perspective. Like Inarius is incapable of thinking of Rathma as an independent being to be valued. Mm-hmm. Rathma's value is in the heavenly part of him. He specifically, even says, yeah, he calls it out. He says, he the calls, holy blood in your veins should be boiling. And he calls him an ungrateful spawn. That's, yes. It's not so much a father-son relationship as a, hmm, I don't know what to call it. It's not, not a healthy family going on here. No, well, keep in mind that he didn't even, like he, when Lilith came up with this idea, she didn't share it with him. This was something mm. she sprung on him. So I do think that Lilith is, is capable of more emotion than, than she's often given credit. I think that in this case, she, she is hurt by what happened to Rathma. A lot of that is because Rathma, she sees as the ultimate manifestation of her plan. He is basically her thing, her, He's the her first creation. One. But at the same time, that didn't, she didn't have to feel bad about it. She could have just found the, the the key and been 
oh well. But she did she wasn't. She was clearly actually upset. Yeah, even when but you get I, there, like it's her it's her lament that you fight, yeah, right? Yeah, it's, it's fight right. Her, yeah. So yeah, I think my take on it is that Lil, I think for that matter, Inarius understands what he did was wrong. Inarius understands that he's doomed because if he didn't, Lilith's little speech wouldn't have done anything to him. He, she would have said, you know, heaven doesn't want you. He'd been like, yeah, what well, you'd know, like, you know, anything about, but he, but he, he knows, doesn't. he knows she's hitting the right chords because he mm-hmm. knows that that's right. He yeah, knows. He that, knows. Sorry. They, Cause they, they he, called back, uh, they called back Tyrael. Yeah. Theoretically, like we we don't well, know, but like we're... after he blew up and came back, you know, they the point was that they they didn't they left him in hell, and he knows it. Yeah, and he knows that part of it is because you know they weren't sure about humanity, and he created humanity, and he knows also that Inarius straight up says, "I wish it would be so." Not not sorry, Rathma says Inarius when Inarius is like, "And I'll get to go back to heaven," and 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 Rathma says, and it's. It's a strange tone. You have to like really listen to it a couple of times, but it's almost sad for Inarius. Yeah. When he says, I wish it would be so. You, I think Inarius has spent so much time deluding himself. He is completely brought in, bought into the illusion that he will fix his problem on sanctuary. He will kill his son. He will get rid of this thing he created with the Nephilim and heaven will welcome him home. He has been clinging to this. Yeah. clinging desperately yeah. mm-hmm. ignoring everything else and yeah, he gets to this moment does, yeah everything he does has led to this moment and there she is and she's not cackling and she's she's basically like you know was it worth it what you did what you've done and he is like he doesn't have an answer because he has never actually sat and thought about him like what he has done his his think, actions he, he's always it's always like what other people did to him well what uh, did to i think him, what the heavens did to him. Well, think about what, it too. You know, it's, it's, it's also, it's also him trying to deal with the trauma of, you know, his choices and the people that, you know, for lack of a better term, where his family gave him to hell. They gave him yeah. up for the choices he made, which is why he's hyper fixating on what he is because he's hard trying to correct that thing that made them abandon him. Right. Yeah. It's, it's him unpacking his trauma in the worst way possible. So, like, to get back to Lilith, um, the reason I think Lilith does actually have some kind of care, not just for Rathma, although certainly for Rathma as her firstborn, as her the child that, as far as we know, the only one we know that she gave birth to. Um, Lilith walked away from hell. She walked away from it. And she doesn't want to go back unless she can rule it. Like, she doesn't, she's not settling for some, like, functionary licking, like, like, Lucian licking at her father's boots. She will win or she will die, but she's not going to beg. And that's exactly the opposite of Inarius, who literally does nothing but beg. He begs a heaven that will not answer him. Maybe can't answer him. One thing, one thing she says that I think is very apt is she says their silence is their answer. Yeah. And it's not said anything to him. They, de- they never, you know, they never told him to go kill Rathma. They never told him to kill Nephilim. They never told him to do any of this. He just decided, this is my path to heaven. And he has clung to that so desperately. But mm. their silence is their answer. And I think a lot of what we see from Lilith in this exchange, and in, in all of the previous exchanges, is she she is a demon, and she does not think like like a, like a mortal being does. Mm-hmm. It's just, that is just part of who she is. She does want to improve 
humanity and and give them the power that was their birthright. She would like them all to be like the Nephilim from Diablo three. She's just willing to kill hundreds, even thousands to get one mm-hmm. because they can always make more. The world stone's gone. So if they re- if they get back up to that power they were at, there's nothing that can stop them. And all she has to do is get them there. If that costs lives, well, they're going to die anyway. You know, they're going to die even if they had ha- long happy lives, they're going to die anyway. They die. That's what mortals do. If I the only way for them not to be mortal is to ascend to that point and everything she does when she's talking to the character, which we will come up on in a little bit, you see this side of her. You see that she, she just, her, the way her brain, uh, not brain, but whatever, the way she <laughs> looks at this, the calculus of it, she is willing to spend lives. And if it takes many, many, many lives, that's what it takes. That is my, my take on it. I, Joe, you might have a different one. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's complicated. Her, her feelings towards humanity and the Nephilim and the eternal conflict. It's interesting because I don't think she's lying. I don't know that she needs to lie, right? She's not, she's the daughter of hatred. She's not the daughter of Belial. She's not the Lord of lies or anything like that. She, she sort of wants, I think her creation to stand on its own. And I think I'm going to go into the next section because I think this feeds into it. So, when you do finally catch up and you catch up through the Citadel and, and everything else, uh, you, you see the death of Anarius and you, you relive that moment. The next thing is the blind eye, which is you find the sight, you set up the sightless eye again, because conveniently there's a pedestal made out of demons and flesh. Cause Oh, oh we got to mention also, as you're marching through, you find the remnants of the army of the, the cathedral light and you get the soul stone back from Prava, that, which, that which was on Prava's body. Yes. Um, well, but- not-, not dead. Yeah, not quite. No, she you, but you roll her over and she has it. Yeah, she has it. But one one interesting point here that may certainly comes up later is that instead of leaving her to die, Donan says, "No, we here have a healing potion. Get out of here while you still can." And Donan, you know, stops. I mean, Lorath is like, "Let's keep going. Whatever this woman has done, nothing for us." But Donan is like, "No, no, we're going to help you." get out of here. And Prava isn't, isn't thrilled because you've taken the soul stone, which is some sort of ultimate sin because Inarius had given it to her for safekeeping. It will come back to bite you uh, later. Yeah, We're going to talk yeah. about that. But it's, it's interesting because this being in hell, walking towards Mephisto's domain, it seems to affect everyone. This hatred that's permeating the air seems to affect all of them. But Donan takes this moment to say, no, we're going to help you. We're going to help you get out of here. You are another human being and you can be saved and we're going to save you, which seems very uncommon here. You can see Lorath is angry. Nyrell is talking about how she has this vision that on repeat in her head about stabbing Lilith. And it's just, everyone is affected just by the place they're in. So I think it's very, it's an interesting little moment that Donna's like, no, we're going to help her. We're going to help her. It is, and I think that's part of the whole... I think that still harkens back to the previous episode uh, where we see Donnan sort of deal with his own demons, uh, internal mm-hmm. strife and grief, and I think that helps him in this situation in particular. Um, but we move forward, we get to the we get to that part where we put the sightless eye onto the, the pedestal, uh, and uh, yeah, you are then confronted almost immediately by Lilith. 
uh, because she knows what's going on. We've done this. We've done this sightless eye thing before. And, and she's seen she us every time. Us. And yeah. it's, yeah, yeah, it's a, yeah, we know what's going to happen, but it's again, kind of our only recourse to figure out where's Lilith, where do we need to go? Now, the, the interesting thing here is you are immediately trapped in a sort of a dreamscape, a place in between. It's almost like the ethereal realm where when you're scrying, you kind of get stuck you, you go through this place to see what the other person is seeing. It's almost like a linkage of minds. And Lilith traps you in this sort of nightmare where you are forced to relive the memories of everything you've done up until this point. And she's not doing this to maliciously, like, murder you, per se. She wants to convince you that she's correct, and she wants you to be the new leader of the human populace on Sanctuary. She is very earnest while she wants you to stand against the forces of heaven and hell, and she believes that humanity can do it, but it needs a shepherd. It needs somebody to guide them through all of their conflicting emotions. It needs somebody to help them shepherd their power, and it's she wants it to be you. And it makes sense, because from the very first thing that happens, you are fed her blood. You are connected to her. You are the closest thing currently she has to a child on sanctuary, really, because Rathma is gone and you're the only one that carries her blood, the spark of the divine. And Elias is no longer in the picture at this point, too. So she makes she makes a point early on in your conversation. Uh, Ever since you drank my blood, I have been a part of you. I always will be. I carry your hopes and fears in my heart. Yep. And so then what happens after this, after you make your way through, you make your way through a series of boss fights, fighting a bunch of uh, bosses you've already fought before, and almost like a mini boss rush Mega Man style. Uh, (laughs) Then you are greeted by a fiery portal, one that you've seen a few times before. And on the other side, you are greeted by Mephisto in the presence of his wolf. Uh, He tells you that he's come to free you and will grant you his blessing to guide you out of there. Liz? I think, I mean, I think one thing that's very, that is interesting here is that you're going through this, you're fighting through this. Lilith is trying to convince you. She's very persuasive. And I agree with y'all. She doesn't, she doesn't lie. She doesn't need to lie. She's just trying to bring you around to her way of thinking. But then you're like, no, no, I'm not going to help you. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be some like shadow puppet for you to manipulate on Sanctuary. I'm not doing it. And then Lilith is like, I am going to trap you in your own mind forever for eternal torment and bye, basically. And that's when Mephisto shows up. Yeah. And that's when you tell him to not really sod off, but like, like, what do you want? Yeah. You know, it's like, I know what you are. I know who you are. And this is where he has Mephisto has one of, I think the best lines he gets when he's talking to you. Uh, he also doesn't lie. No, he doesn't have oh, yeah. to. Out. It, it, just like uh, Lilith, he doesn't lie. He just misleads. He, he, he lets you fill in whatever you're going to fill in. And if it goes his way, great. But one of the things he says that I think is really wonderful in this moment, he's like, oh, I'm, I make no pretense that we won't be enemies someday. But it doesn't but, have to be it's, today. It's not today. Today we have a common enemy. And it's just really, from the beginning, when Mephisto first met with you and you didn't know he was Mephisto yet. He said, Oh, I just, I want Lilith's plan to fail because I liked this place the way it is. I like sanctuary without, you know, anybody powerful ruling it. 
and he shows you the whole bit with Tristram and says the Haradrim's path always leads to fire and death. He, he's very subtle in, in what he's doing. Oh, yes. And here's where I'm going to point out something from the prophecy that I want you guys to, to think about as we go into this last bit. Lilith is not hatred, Mm-mm. but Mephisto is hatred. Mm-hmm. So I have theories about that, but anyway. Yeah, we're, we're going. We're getting there. <laughs> we're getting there. Um, but as you move forward, you you make your way through. You find the sightless eye. Uh, it is your way back out after everything is said and done. Uh, and you come back to find the aftermath of uh, what happened before, which is Donnan decided to get too close to a flesh pillar because sometimes he's not smart. And it he was curious. It wasn't doing anything. It was right Listen, there. All oh, I know, all I know is that very clearly there are no movie theaters on Sanctuary and nobody watched Hellraiser. Um, mm. So he I winds, would probably find it jejun, to be honest. Yeah, fair. Um, you find Donnan has succumbed to his wounds. Lorath is beside himself with grief, uh, being allowed to feel now. Because don't forget, Lorath for a long time was cold-hearted and shut everything off. And in the last 48 hours, if even that, uh, he's gotten one of his best friends back and taken on a new apprentice. Because, let's be honest, that's what Narel is to him at this point. Mm-hmm. You find Narel, Lorath tells you to go ahead uh, because he's going to stay and make sure that Donnan's body comes back. You say, I he- thought we didn't have time for this. And he goes, he deserves better. God, Liz. I mean, one one of the things here is that, you know, Lorath has really fallen into despair here because it's not, it's not actually, it's later that he talks about taking care of Donan and making sure Donan's body is okay. He is sitting there staring at Donan's body and he's just in despair. You ask him, what should we do? And he's like, I, 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 uh, he doesn't have anything to tell you. He is so trapped in his own pit of emotions right here, just staring at his friend's body. And he says... If I, I thought if I died, he would finish this. You've always been the steady hand. So he just tells you to go, you know, follow, follow your gut. Because that's what you've always done. But he is, he is lost at this point. Yeah, and it's really. Yeah. It basically like, look, you've been the one carrying the water this whole way. Just carry it the last, the last 20 feet. Just, just get it to where it go. It's going. And this you've is, been the one doing it. And, and it is painful to watch. Yeah, it is because we've all experienced grief. And I think the hardest part about Diablo 4 is how real and raw these emotions are. Donan holding his son and sobbing over his body. Lorath here staring at his friend and just not being able to come up with a coherent sentence about what you do next. It is a kind of, it is a raw grief that has not been glossed over or made pretty or attractive. It's just, it hurts. Yeah. And think about this. The Lilith we get in this game is different than Lilith has been since time immemorial in one aspect. She's actually lost something she cared about. She may be the only demon to ever experience grief, not Mm -hmm. to feed on it, not to cause it, but to feel it. Mm -hmm. And that's something to think about going forward. So, Moving forward from this, you you and Nyrell Nyrell go in through the portal after she scolds you, essentially, for trusting a primeval. Uh, But you kind of explain that you're not trusting. You just don't really have a choice. And you move forward and forward across the the Lake of Fire through the portal to uh, the inner sanctum of the Cathedral of Hatred. Uh, And I do. Go ahead. 
I, I do want to point out uh, some dialogue from Mephisto. He says, you know, you and Narelle are talking to Mephisto and he says, you know, I, I offer no proposals. I offer only my aid. This leads to the Cathedral of Hatred. And he just, he doesn't say, okay, go to the Cathedral of Hatred and kill Lilith. He, he says that a little more strongly later, but, you know, when he has this portal for you, it's just like, I'm only here to help. I'm not telling you what to do. It's just Lilith is over there. You want to kill Lilith, right? You want to trap her in the soul zone? Okay, well, she's over there. Here you go. And he's he's very intentionally not not pushing you, not telling you what to do, which I think your character and Nerell would both react pretty negatively to, to yep. having oh, yeah. the Lord of Hatred say, hey, go and kill this person for me. Oh, for sure. But um, he does, as Liz is pointing out, he does offer you the one thing you've been trying to get this entire time mm-hmm. ahead of Lilith. Yes, it's yes. the only time you've had that option. And you do, you take it. Uh, and, you know, you get there and you get through into the center room where he's reforming. Uh, and he's basically in a giant animosphere, uh, which this will be a topic for Laura Watch in the future. I'm very confident. Uh, as his essence is reforming. And you do have a discussion between the two of you because you have. You have two options. You can use the soul stone on Mephisto, or you can use the soul stone on Lilith, which I think is an interesting thing because it's supposed to be attuned to Lilith. It's tuned to hatred, which... Yeah, they in fact, they did attune and- it to hatred that Mephisto left behind. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Which nobody talked about beforehand, so it seems like that was always going to be the conclusion. That, that's the road you were always being led down, at least in this regard. Um, you argue back and forth, you talk about it, and then you decide that trapping Mephisto in the stead of Lilith and then trapping Lilith in hell while you seal the gates behind you is the best options possible. So Nyrell will stab the Soul Stone into Mephisto, uh, and then you tell her to go ahead. Cause What's a Soul Stone look like? Go ahead, Matt. What is it? Is it glowing? Is it? colored like light, it's a perhaps? sphere of light yep and mm-hmm. and you stab hatred in effectively the heart because it doesn't have anything it's just all one big ball of hatred. well no you're you are in the heart of hatred you're in the center of his yeah, domain which exactly. is the cathedral of hatred he's all heart at this point well you're yeah, you're in the center of his power so yeah that would make Mayrell sense stabs him in the heart and breaks the chains of the one who was imprisoned he was stuck there he, he was reforming. Leave. Yeah. Yeah. He couldn't leave. He was stuck in hell. We're gonna and get you to, just got him out. We're going to get back to this in a moment. <laughs> uh, but then you wind up going through and you wind up. I, go ahead. I I do have a question. Nerell stabs him. He's caught in the soul stone. And then a portal opens up. I was walks through. just yeah, going to okay. say that. Yeah. Carry on. So you, you get that and you're ready to prep for it. And all of a sudden another red portal shows up. You know, those portals that Mephisto has been using the one that is now supposed to be currently trapped in the soul stone. Nobody says anything about this. Nobody even acknowledges yeah. it. And yeah. you, but you send Narel through while you stay to fight Lilith, which I think this is an interesting moment of maybe hatred is blinding you because that's mm. a thing that can happen. Uh, but then you get into an epic fight with Lilith uh, you wind up defeating her, even though she's basically taunting you the entire time. Although she's not mad. She's just disappointed. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, she really <laughs> is. It, there is that energy. She doesn't hate you. She's just, you're in her way. She has a job to do, and you're getting in her way. You're disrupting her plans. 
Once you defeat her, there's a, a cutscene that will play. Uh, there's a portal that pops up, and you will you, you take the portal and you go to Lorath. You speak with him. You tell him that Lilith is gone. You've, that you've done the thing that you were set to do. You've defeated a lesser evil or whatever she is equivalent to, maybe a sub prime evil. I don't know. Uh, in the heart of hatred, and it's gone. And that you and Nyrell chose to place Mephisto in the Soul Stone instead. He'll understand and ask where the stone is, which is a great question because Nyrell's not there. Nyrell. Didn't come did back. before yeah. leaving, but did she, before leaving, she said both that she was going to go find Lorath, and also she specifically said, "This better not be the last time I see you." Kind of indicating, okay, you better not die here. This better not be the last time I see you. So it sounds like at that point she had intended to go back to Lorath, or oh, I'm sure she did at that or, time, or she lied really well. Well, yeah. Because That's I don't think true. she did. I think she intended to at that moment. Yeah, and yeah. I think there's more to it. it. She's never been deceptive with us. So, so we get you, let's let's get through this part because I think everything else is going to be for <laughs> everything else we want to talk about is speculation after the story is done. So let's let's get through the story beats and then we can talk about our speculation real quick. Um, so you you talk with it. You you make the assumption that maybe she went to the chapel. It's holy ground. It was where you were using as a safe haven. Uh, and you go there and you try to, you're going to meet Lorath there, uh, but you must carry Donna out of there and close the gates to hell. Uh, this happens essentially. Uh, you get your way out and it's, you, go ahead. It's another, it's another little touching moment with Donan because Lorath is like, no, I, you go ahead. I need to take care of Donan and I need to get him out of here and I need to seal the gates of hell. I'm just going to slow you down. And your character says, no, we all walked in here together. We're going to walk out together. And just, I mean, it's just a tiny little moment of, I don't know, solidarity. And it's kind of, it's again, that grief. I'm not going to let you carry this grief alone. I am going to be here with you. Yeah, because despite Lorath being a grumpy old man, you, he still was there for you when you needed him. And you're going to be there for him. It's its a touching moment. And it is a heavy burden. Uh, so you meet back, you make your way up to the chapel and you go make your way into the chapel to see if Nairel is there. Uh, Lorath makes the comment that she's not there. You speak with him and say that maybe she's gone back to the Herodric vault. The last time she was holed up somewhere, she was in the Herodric vault. Makes sense. Okay. It's got a lot of arcane protection. She knows enough now to sort of invoke that you've already cleared it out of all the horrors aside from maybe some spiders. She can probably deal with that. She literally just walked through hell. Um, so he suggests that you go back there and you go to head back outside uh, and uh, you get to meet up with uh, some of your mistakes. <laughs> uh, I will let I mean, one of you this, talk about this. Is this one technically your mistake? Because yes. It's kind of Donan's mistake. It's well, kind of Donan's mistake. It is, but you let it happen. <sighs> well, I, I guess I'm in the middle of this. You go outside and Yosef is there with a bunch of, uh, a bunch of knights. Um, and uh, you may remember Yosef. He's the one who saved you way, way, way back in the beginning of the game when you were in Nevesk and they knocked you out and they were about to slaughter you. He came in and saved you and you fought your way out of this place. He's been with you since almost the very beginning of this game. And now he's like, well, you know, Prava, Prava, well, Prava wants you. You're heretics now. Not, not, No, no, not at first. It's specifically Lorath. She's after the Haradrim. You are offered the ability to go away. He lets, he's like, 
we're here for Lorath. You can walk because that's how that exchange goes. And I think that's really important to notify, like to signify because Prava has decided that this is the Haradrim's fault. Hmm. Despite being saved by Donnan, despite, you know, because everything that happened is because the Haradrim in her mind got involved. Um, and it's her decree uh, that says that. So, and she blames that it was the Haradrim for bringing evil to this world in the first place because Elias was a member of the Haradrim and he's the one that summoned Lilith. Of course, at the same time, how much of this does she actually know about Elias? She knows that someone summoned Lilith. Someone was helping her from this side. I, I don't th- know how much she knows. I have a theory on that, too. <laughs> um, but regardless, but yeah, one, Joseph, okay, Joseph shows one, up. One more thing about Prava's decree is, you know, she said, Haradrim, dark magics to bear a great evil into our world. But she says, commit their wicked souls to the father and retrieve the soul stone. She wants the soul stone back. Inarius entrusted it to her and she wants it back. So, I mean, I've got a lot of questions about this. I- Does she want it back? I have a Just theory about this like, as well. Did Narius gave me a job? I'm going to do it. He told me to watch after the Soul Stone. Or does she want it because she assumes it contains something? Yeah. So I don't know. Let's let's keep moving forward because I, I have theories about that. <laughs> so you make your way to the Hrodrick Vault. Uh, you find that Narell's not there, but you do find a letter on the table. Uh, you interact with it, and it gives you a a whole large cutscene that basically shows Narell not staying behind. She's looking for answers to. Uh, questions that need to be answered, like how to actually destroy the prime evils, how to keep sanctuary safe, all this other stuff. Um, And it's an interesting thing to see how far she has come. But I think one of the most interesting things about this is the entire time she's doing this, she is accompanied by the wolf. And even when that first portal opens up and Nyrell walks through, you see the The wolf wolf in the the background. Mm -hmm. Yes. He's on the other side of the portal. Personally, I've taken this as like this is like a metaphorical thing. The wolf I, is always I don't over think your shoulder. He's not. I don't think it's metaphorical. You see. So I, yeah. think, I think I think this is the point where we can start talking about wild speculation because this is where the game sort of ends and it opens up into the post game where there are things that you can do and there are story elements here that we can probably talk about later on, like going back to the Whispering Tree, uh, dealing with the Church of Light and a whole slew of other things. But as Matt pointed out in our very first episode in the series, you are essentially dealing with the consequences of the choices that you've made up to this point. But here's the thing that I think is interesting, and I think this was foreshadowed from the very, very beginning. And Matt brought this up, and I want to come back to this because I think it has a, this answers a lot of stuff. At the end of Diablo 3, what happened to the Black Soulstone? It shattered. Pieces of it raining down into Sanctuary. What was contained in those fragments of Soulstones? The essences of the prime evils. And we see Mephisto in the, the Cathedral of Hatred reforming, putting pieces of himself back together. I don't think all of his pieces are back together because mm-hmm. I think the wolf is a fragment of him that is operating independently. And I think that quite possibly Prava didn't survive. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at the, the, the cinematic in which she's dragged down. How did she survive and none of the other knights <laughs> did? Yeah, it's a good question because in that cinematic, she, I mean, she's unarmored. She's just she's wearing her... She's not even wearing shoes. And she doesn't have any power. Right. It's it's a really good question. They just, the demons grab her and drag her into what is a writhing sea of demons. But she did have the soul stone on her. So you find Mm. her 
in the domain of hatred in hell itself, how easy would it have been for Mephisto, who has already established that he can affect things on Sanctuary, that he can affect things outside of his Cathedral of Hatred, just put a little piece of himself inside of her. Hmm. Because the reason I think that this might be the case is from what you just pointed out in the dialogue at the chapel. Why does she want the Soul Stone? Is it just because Anarius gave it to her? She knows Anarius is dead. Mm-hmm. Yet she still wants to claim it for the father. I think she wants the Soul Stone back so that Mephisto, who has a piece of himself parading inside of Prava, running a Church of Light, which is a thing he's already done in the past and is really, really good at, to get himself fully free and fully running around on Sanctuary. While they go so far as to have multiple dungeons point out that Mephisto was the head of, of the Zaka Room for a while. Yep. They do that when you go through the Zaka Room stuff, when you do the post-game uh, questing stuff, and you're in the area of the Zaka Room. That stuff's technically not post-game. Well, it's yeah, technically you can do not. it anytime. You can do it at any time. Yeah. You could literally have run it before you went to Chaldeum. If you're the kind of weirdo like me that could like, oh, we're, we got a clock? Well, I'm going to go to this dungeon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but what's interesting I, what you're talking about, and I'm going to let Liz come in because I just heard you, you make a noise, Liz. So go ahead. Yeah. I, I want to point out there, there are interesting ways in the world that the world changes after this, particularly in Kyovashad and the entire uh, Forgotten Peaks. You go in, yeah, all of the all of the Knights Penitent are gone. All of the Church of Light, they're gone. Well, most of them are gone. I was going to say most, yeah. not all, because the, the Capstone Dungeon is about that stuff, too. Uh, most of them are gone. And, you know, it's just City Guard protecting these things. And you get some, like, everyone's dialogue has changed. Just the little NPC dialogues you run into. It's all a little different. It's like... There is a priest of some kind in front of the big statue of Anarius in the center of Kiovashad talking about how the father will return if only you stay away from sin and you are really good people and you tithe appropriately to us. He will return in his glory because he's done it before. And you, you get a lot of this, a lot of different perspective. One thing I did in my last playthrough was the Sister Octavia quest. She's the one who exercises demons. I did that after the main campaign. Mm-hmm. She's still there. Yep. And you can help her exercise demons. And she has a, a ritual she does to do this, where she cuts her palm over a holy chalice. And she asks Father Inarius to cleanse her wicked blood and remove the demon from this person. And you can ask her about that. Like, okay, you know Inarius is dead, right? I mean, you know that. And she's like, yeah, yeah, sure. But he can't, there's more to the light than him, but she's still her, she goes and she calls his name. Holy father, you know, help me with this. But this goes back to something I've been talking about since the beginning, which is the blood. The blood is the key. It's not angels. It's not demons. We may use that, that terminology, but it's, it all comes down to the blood of the Nephilim powering these different forms of magic because uh, Sister Octavia can do that just fine, even though Anarius is dead. It's not about Anarius. And, it is the power of our blood. And so can you. Yeah. As part of that questing, that's one of the things you do, you discover when you're doing her quest line is you can do it too. You can perform the ritual. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, this is something that has nothing to do with what you guys are talking about, but I have to throw it in here real fast. <laughs> Can we stop cutting our palm? I use my palm for axes. I got a big <laughs> hole in it where I just cut it to do the blood for your ritual. I'm going to get an infection that I'm not going to swing as effectively. Maybe I could cut like the back of my arm or something. It's got to be a different place to cut. Just that's that always bugs me whenever someone just cuts across their hand like that. I'm like, have you ever tried to cut yourself? It hurts. I, the other thing is, you know, the palm you cut across is like necromancers have this armor style where sometimes they'll have armor all the way down one arm and nothing on the other arm. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's the arm that's like covered from shoulder to fingertip with armor. <laughs> there is no palm to cut. It's like, mm, maybe, maybe a poor choice, but yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of the, the blood contains within it, the light and the the power of hell what do you mm -hmm. want to call yeah. that you don't want to call it the dark but you know whatever you want to call both infernal and celestial power is contained within that blood because mm -hmm. you descend from both groups and that's one of the things that i think has always been a part of the game but it's really ramped up in d3 and d4 is this idea that you know <clears throat> it is possible for humans to actually defend themselves against hell without heaven's help it's in also fact, possible it's for them possible to defend themselves against heaven. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Without hell's help. We don't need like, you know, the, the, the prime evils ruling us to tell heaven to sod off. And it's something that, that Tyrael saw at the, at the end of Diablo three. Hmm. So like, here, the you know, Nephilim can defeat the champions of heaven and hell, which is interesting because I, I do think in that capacity, like I think Lilith was right. Like her method to get there was suspect in some cases. She was definitely willing to spend a lot of lives to get there. But she wasn't wrong. No, but even Lorath never said she was wrong. He said that we couldn't trust her. Which is true. And, and it's true. You can't because she does not think like a person. And that's the interesting thing about Lilith as a character here is I think that this game is, if you watch the game, you watch the story of the game, you watch, you watch it from the perspective of what Lilith is going through. Lilith has never suffered loss before. I mean, she's lost. She has not succeeded in plans, but she's never lost anything. It just was time, and time means nothing to her. As, as someone else in this game says, what does time mean to an eternal one? You know, if you don't ever die, what difference does it make if it takes 10,000 years? But now she's lost something. She'll never get Rathma back. Even if Rathma does somehow view death as a transformation and comes forth as a lizard or whatever, the, the <laughs> Rathma he was is, is no gone. more. Yeah. Yeah, everything he w could have been has been taken from me. He is now something else. He isn't the thing that I carried. And that's the other thing is she's the only demon that we know of who gave birth. You know, th there's a lot to the prophecy in general. I, I, I kept thinking to myself as I was watching it, like how easy it was to come to some other interpretation of it and how you could understand why these people would. In a way, it's it's a shame that Inarius... I, I've, I'm going to have to go with Lorath here. Lorath's like, you know, what they don't tell you is you're spending like, you know, th th untold thousands of years in hell being tortured, turns you into an arse. And that's what it did. He became an arse. He became completely self-obsessed because he was just so broken. And honestly, I'm going to say this right now. Anarius loved Lilith. Yeah. 100%. He actually did love her. When they, when they created sanctuary, the reason that there was a Rathma the, the reason that Lenarian was born is because Anarius loved Lilith mm -hmm. and was willing to do that with her. 
which is something, I mean, he's a glowing bag of light inside of magical <laughs> armor. I don't even want to think about the logistics here, but they did it. And they did it because she wanted it and he wanted to do what she wanted. Now, does that mean that Lilith loved Denarius at some point? I don't know the answer to that question, but I think it's very interesting to look at. There's an old, old saying that love and hate are two sides of the same coin mm. to the point where in the triune, Mephisto is known as Mephis, spirit of love. of love. Yeah. So Mephisto is fully aware of this, that love and hatred can blend into each other. They can curdle. They can, you know, there's, there's back and forth here. And Mephisto, of course, uses it for evil because he's Mephisto. Um, but you can see in, in their interaction with Anarius and Lilith that she's, I think like I said before, she's disappointed in you that you, you mm. don't see what she's saying. I think she was so disappointed in him because I think she thought, okay, there's that book you find in Diablo three where she's like, I can give us victory, but first I will give him children. She thought that what she was doing was great and that he should have been super happy about all of it. And he wasn't. And when the others were talking about killing off the Nephilim, he didn't say, no, let's not do that. He said, well, let's talk about it. Let's take us some time and, and debate this. And she was like, debate. I'm not, there's not going to be a debate. They're not killing the, the whole point of this. And so she killed all of them because it, I mean, what does it matter if you kill them? They just go back to where they're from anyway. That also says something about Lilith's power level. I mean, oh, yeah. this is someone she killed every angel and demon on sanctuary. Everyone. I, I don't, do we know how many came to sanctuary? No, but enough to help. It was, it was thing. not an yeah. insignificant amount. Yeah. yeah. There was, there and was she enough just, of them. You know, Inarius walked off to like meditate on the issue or whatever. And she's just like, we're not talking about this. We're not thinking about this. I'm going to kill all of you. And she did. Yeah. I don't think she, she just did it. tell them. She just killed them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, why? This isn't a discussion. Go. Yeah. And when she did that, I mean, Inarius had to use the power of the world stone to stop her. Now, keep in mind, he was an archangel. So it's possible that he could have, you know, been more powerful than her. But he also um, didn't want to kill her. Yeah, he didn't want to kill her. Back then, he absolutely didn't want to kill her. He banished her. Mm -hmm. And the only reason she was still banished uh, was because of the events of the Sin War. Essentially, since time got messed around with, she got a do-over back into her banishment. Uh, but in, in the Sin War, she gets out, and she's the one who initiates all of that. It's actually very amazing how this game is basically like oh, well, you can try to make the Sin War not happen, but what's going to happen is the Sin War will just happen later. Like, it, they tried to stop history from being the way it was going to be, and all it did was reset things, and then it happened again anyway. Lilith gets out, she does the same thing, and there's no way that she's gone. If you couldn't kill Diablo in, in his own plane, which you can't do, when you, you when you remember Diablo 2, you can't even kill Diablo in his own plane. There's no way you can kill Lilith inside her father's prison. It just isn't going to work. So she'll be back. And Inarius will, himself won't be back, but something made up of Inarius will be back. Yeah, because his essence... That's what to angels. His essence will go back to the Crystal Arch, or at least we can make yeah. that assumption. In a way, let me, she gave him what he wanted. Let me Let me jump in here. About Inarius and the Crystal Arch. One of the things, you know, Mephisto had Inarius for a long time torturing him. And he'll make the comment to you that the angel was full of hatred. He was already full of hatred. And when he was here, I just refined that hatred. 
So, and we know that Diablo in Diablo 3 corrupted the Crystal Arch, correct? We, he was trying to, to. we don't know the level of success, but we can assume that, Okay. we can assume that there was some level of success. So if an angelic spirit, after the angel has died, goes back to the Crystal Arch to be reformed, reborn into a new angelic being, you have Inarius who's been corrupted with hatred already, he's full of hatred, and... Now he is going to the Crystal Arch, which has been corrupted by Diablo, at least to some extent, to be reformed. What will he be reformed as? Is he going to be your average run-of-the-mill celestial being? Or is he going to be some kind of, you know, sleeper agent for hell? Some hatred because of what his essence has been turned into, what has become over all of these years, all of these experiences. Let Let me put this back around on you. Okay. Who's to say... That the arch needs to be corrupted for that. Mm-hmm. Imperius was absolutely full yeah. of hatred. Yeah. And, and that was way before Diablo did anything to the Crystal Arch. Imperius yeah. hated the angels mm-hmm. that we've well, always, we got this assumption that the angels and the demons are both immutable beings, that they can't change because we've seen they them don't have, do that. Yeah, we have seen them do it. Mostly angels going like Isual turns into a demon. He outright turns into one. Uh, Tyriel second goes to hell and turns into a demon. But we've also seen that Malthiel could turn angels into something there's, that was completely not angels. There, There's a key thing that I think needs to be pointed out here. And it's the origin story of sanctuary and the origin story of angels and demons to begin with. Don't forget. They are also parts of the same single being. They're all descended from Anu. They're yeah. all if, descended if from into, this perfect being. If you're into Gnosticism, it's basically the same idea. The concept of this one infinite, unaltering, unchanging being deliberately alters itself and changes because it can. it's the only way it can actually know itself. Hmm. This, this concept that Anu couldn't understand what it was until Anu actually had differences between itself. Because if everything is Anu and Anu is everything, then nothing is Anu, right? Because there's everything is part of this thing. Then nothing is not part of it. Therefore nothing is part of it. It just, and you go back to this, we've been talking about a lot of stuff. One thing we haven't talked about much is that serpent from, you know, from the first time we hear about it. The mention of it in Rathma's when Rathma says, I it came to me on the scales of a serpent, and so I visited the serpent. And then we know that that Rathma went to the swamp and he met with the serpent. He did not meet with the tree. The tree of Whispers did not talk to Rathma. It couldn't even visit, it couldn't even view Rathma's place. It, it it was beyond it, but it wasn't beyond the serpent. What's the serpent got to do with the tree? What is the tree? What is Hawazar? Is Hawazar part of sanctuary? The people of Hawazar don't seem to think so. And no, what do they mean least... by that? I think it, Joe had a good point about pocket dimensions the other time, but mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to take this someplace slightly differently. Other worlds were made with the world stone, but they didn't last. Why not? Was it, be, you know, and when, if, when, when Lilith and Inarius together made this world, why did it last? Did it last because they brought the world stone into it? Did it last because an angel and a demon together made it? That's, yeah. Or, and here's the one, we're also told, when you go back and look at the lore, that Tragul entered the world at the moment of its creation. Hmm. The World Stone entered the world at the moment of its creation. The World Stone went to Sanctuary before even the angels and the demons did. They followed it. Mm -hmm. What if 
Anu has always been with us. It just died and was transformed and in dying found balance between the dark and light aspects of itself. Only by creating them as discrete beings, only by them dying together, could it find balance. But it did. And it taught that balance to Rathma. That's what I think the serpent is. Because what does a serpent do? It sheds its skin. It's, it's, a, it's been a, a constant symbol of rebirth for literally thousands of years in, in, a, in regular old human history. It's a symbol of life and death. That's why the Herberos is a snake eating its own tail. It just goes around and around. The serpent is Anu. Anu is dead, so Anu can't save us. Anu can't do anything to us or for us. But it doesn't have to, because what are we? What are humans in Sanctuary? They are little pockets of Anu. Mm-hmm. They're the light and the dark put together. I honestly think that Lilith does not understand this, but Rathma did because Rathma saw it. Rathma lived it. Rathma knew he was going to die. Rathma's- that prophecy, you know, he knew full well. He knew the moment of his death. He knew what it was going to be. He knew who was going to kill him. You know, and yet he still didn't even blame his father for it. When when he talks to Anarius, he's like, "I would it were so, father." He wants Anarius to be happy. But he knows he can't be because he's broken. And when Mephisto says Anarius had hatred in his heart, yeah, a lot of them did. He hated the eternal conflict. He hated the endless war. He said so. He literally, when he gets caught by the demons and Lilith finds him, he's having an explosive, explosive meltdown. He's like losing it at the demons. And it's like, you know, he's, he's freaking out and screaming at them when she kills them and saves him. And that's how they met. And she's like, oh, he's he wants this to end as much as I do. And he wanted it to end because he hated it. They can all hate. They can all fear. And just like that, the devils can be valorous. They can be brave. They can charge at Inarius knowing he's going to destroy them. Because they knew they had no shot at him. And they did it mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff to this, the, the back and forth. The, the stuff you've been saying, Liz, the stuff you've been saying, Joe, it's been melting together in my head since we started doing <laughs> this. Because all I can think about is, what is Mephisto doing? Like, if that wolf is a part of Mephisto, is it, is it leading Nyrell? Or is it just watching? What, what is happening? One thing we've seen with the wolf is it doesn't seem to have power to significantly interact with the world. It says things, it opens portals for us, but it doesn't act on the world. It acts on us by, you know, saying things mostly. It doesn't, it it usually doesn't tell us what to do. It's just, hey, hey buddy, you want this portal over here? You look like you could use some help. (laughs) Yeah. The Clippy of evil. (laughs) Oh, it's Clippy. But now it's- So we don't- Go on, Joe. I was going to say, it starts to ask, ask other questions, though, too, at this point, right? Because go, let's go back to one of the other quests that we did where we were seeking the blessing of the Triune, essentially, to do mm-hmm. what we needed to do. We were able to get two out of the three just by invoking the names. Is that because they are fully formed and in their domain? Or is it because they're still scattered and doing the same thing? One of the things that I thought was interesting, when you go to the the, the town that's over in the PvP area... Uh, or one of the PVP areas, um, like you talk with one of the members who is a, a or of the town, who's a member of the church of light. Uh, and he talks about, you know, hatred's presence is never far from here. We do what we can to resist it, but it is, this land is steeped in it. Well, if I will he- point out 
that the PvP zones in the game are called Fields of Hatred. Yes, they are. So, like, why why are they called Fields of Hatred? Why is hatred so prevalent there? You know, like, it's it's are they still having an effect on the world because Mephisto is sort of just sort of everywhere? Well, I mean, let's look at something else then. Mephisto was in charge of the Church of the Zacharum for at least a couple hundred years. Mm-hmm. What was he doing with all that time? It, was, it wasn't all find where Diablo is. In fact, that was relatively late. So what was he doing? Obviously, he was doing things. One of those things was Inquisitions. He was burning witches and Hawazar as hard as he could. Why was he burning why? witches? Yeah. Why was he burning witches and Hawazar? Why was he sending the Inquisition? You know, why the same was he thing telling that, them? Hold on a second. The same thing that the Church of Light's doing, by the way. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. But they were doing yeah. that before. The Church of Light was doing that under Anarius, who spent a lot of time in hell getting tortured by Mephisto. So, you know, who knows? Also, I think it's kind of hilarious that Mephisto is in the Cathedral of Hatred, and mm. Anarius decides to keep naming his church the church, the Cathedral of Light. By the way, uh, and this is for all of you that are playing through the game, do the, 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 the you go to the, the icon on the ground, you hit F and you look at it, go look at Anarius's Cathedral at the mountaintop. Then go do the same thing at the Cathedral of Hatred. You go tell me how similar they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is I, a lot to that. Go ahead, listen. I'm really starting to think that, you know, everything here is going to Mephisto's plan. Mephisto mm-hmm. is playing a very long game, and everything is going to plan. He ruled over, controlled the Zacharub Church, spreading hatred throughout it, corrupting the whole thing to its roots. And he's got Inarius, and he... I can't believe that Inarius just escaped hell i just i can't i don't see that happening that he just walked out of hell the the church of light calls it you know his glorious escape but you know it seems a lot more likely that either he was you know that he walked out because mephisto let him someone left the door open you know i mean there's possibilities there you could we could make Mm -hmm. the point that he was in a soul stone for a while uh and before that he was cast out of hell by See, here's something I wanted to go back to here really fast. Mm-hmm. The, the, the Dark Exile was when the three prime evils were, quote unquote, defeated by the four lesser evils and banished to uh, Sanctuary. Belial was the, the second, basically, Mephisto had Belial and did, he was like always the one trying to teach Belial things and be a mentor to Belial. Asmodon was doing that same thing for... Uh, Bloody heck, I can't remember his name now. Baal. Baal was doing that with Asmodon. Uh, he was basically like, you know, you know, you you'll be my little, you'll you'll follow me around. And 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 Diablo was kind of like that for Durilion Dariel, mostly because pain and suffering often lead to fear. The fear of pain and suffering makes people do things, plus pain and suffering just engender fear, fear of more of them. Uh, oh God, please don't do that thing. That sort of thing. But when the, the Dark Exile happened, all three of the primes were supposedly beaten and sent to, to sanctuary because they were mad at how the primevals seemed to have plans for sanctuary and were not focusing on like the war against heaven. They were focusing on sanctuary now. It later comes out that that's probably just what they wanted them to, that the three primevals were like, look, we need to get around this whole deal we just made with heaven. We need a way to that we can just get around it so that we can operate on sanctuary without them showing up immediately. Mm-hmm. And just scorching the place because we need time to corrupt and, and control them. And so here's a question. Did the lesser evils know that it doesn't seem like Asmodon did, but Duriel, well, no, see, Andariel and Duriel clearly don't care. Like they'll just do whatever. 
But Belial is not like that. Of the four of them, Belial thinks. And Mm -hmm. where was Belial last seen on Sanctuary? Chaldeum. Where was this door to hell? Chaldeum. Chaldeum. Is that how he got to Chaldeum? Did he use that doorway? And if so, did he make it or did his boss make it? Was it always Mephisto's doorway? See, and I, I think that's more likely, right? And and think about what that implies for everything we just went through. Like Lilith would have known where that doorway was. Mm-hmm. So she wasn't looking for it. She was just looking for a way to get to it. And and remember what Liz says about the Triune saying, Mephisto told us what this would happen. Like if Mephisto was briefing the Triune, you know, what she's gonna show up help her let her do what she's going to do then when you get to chaldeum and the blood rain starts falling then back off pull the support get ready because when she fails that's when i'll be coming back like there's a lot to this that's possible we don't know and we you know but mephisto was always of the three of them the most manipulative it's why it was so shocking when diablo tricked them all in diablo 3 because Diablo wasn't the thinker of the three of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was more so than Ball, because Ball is literally just, let's smash it, let's smash it, let's smash it. <laughs> but Mephisto was always, no, let's hold on, let's think about this. How can we use this against them? How can we, you know, because when you are when you hate something, you think a lot about it. Like, the, like what I've said before, love and hate, two sides, same coin. When you really hate something, you spend a lot of time thinking about it. You obsess over it. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and Mephisto is just hatred. Like he is just hate. So I I do think that there's a lot more going on. Like like I I would not be surprised if the first of the two new expansions is picking up from Mephisto's story. Like it's it's going to be about Mephisto. Yeah, I think Mephisto, it is too. And, and part of the reason I think that is because Kedjistan and the areas around Kedjistan were where Mephisto was most operating, like Karast, you know, and. I, I'm really interested in what he was doing in Hawazar because like Liz pointed out, everything that he does, he does for some reason you don't know what he's doing it for. Like he 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 he's got plans within plans. And I think Lilith has inherited that mindset. Like I think of all Mephisto's antagonists, Lilith is the best one because she gets him. She knows what he's like. She knows how he mm-hmm. thinks. Uh she grew up in it. But she rejected it. She rejected him, um, which I'm sure it really did not do well for him. Like Lucian just just licked his boots, you know. In, I'm in also curious life. if if Lilith is oh, a yeah. manif- is, was the first attempt at uh, Mephisto spinning a piece of his essence off and didn't yeah, expect like, it to gain its own sentience like that. Well, I mean, both Lucian and Lilith seem to be independent of him. Yeah, and that's maybe that's a maybe that's the thing about hatred. I mean, think about it. Hatred is the one thing that can get out of control real fast. Mm. Like, and we've seen that just looking at the Zaka room, like the Zaka room, like at this point, the consequences of the way, the way the Zaka room were under Mephisto still exist in Hawazar. Like there's one quest where a guy in particular is like, I want you to go to this place and find the records of the inquisition. Cause the Zaka room missionaries keep coming by. And I don't, I want our people to know what they did. And it's like, you know, it, it's there. And it, what they did was horrific. And you can't really, what can you say against it? That's true. You know, you can say, well, the demon of hatred had taken over the church. Maybe that means the church doesn't need to be here anymore, man. You know, you're still out here calling yourselves the Zacharum. The Zacharum burned these villages. They killed these people. Maybe you shouldn't be doing that. 
Yeah, you start to yep. learn. You start to learn exactly how much everything got corrupted, and think about what that would do to the people. Like, and there's a sort of a microcosm of that when you're doing questing as well. Uh, when you get to backwater, right? Because it's sort of the same thing. The less that people know about what goes on there, the easier it is to maintain. But if everybody knows every bad thing, you know, those people are going there to escape. You know, whatever past they have, they want to leave it at the door, and bringing it back up is not exactly you know the smart thing to do half the time. So it's it's intriguing. It's intriguing to see where we're going to go from here because I think Matt's right. I think that when we get to, we get to the first expansion, we're going to start getting more about the Lord of hatred. And I think part of it is going to be the chase for Nyrell, right? Cause I think we're going to figure out that she's being influenced. Cause even though Lorath says it will take time for the, it to start weaseling its influence out of the soul stone doesn't necessarily have to weasel its way out of the soul stone and corrupt. If parts of it, parts of Mephisto are already outside, already doing the thing, the wolf is still very clearly there. So, you know, if that part of him is still influencing or, or even if it's just observing and gently nudging, right? Like it becomes one of those things where it's still there. It's still doing what it needs to do. And I'm really curious what it's going to happen for the other areas, because you last see Nyrell on a boat. Where is she going? Where haven't we gone yet? Uh, Dianzo? There's a lot of places we haven't gone yet. There's the Isle of the Amazons yeah. as well. Yeah, Skogos. I've, I've always wanted to know Skogos. Hey, plus we still, we've still got the Sightless Eye. Maybe we should take it back. Yeah, It's from Skogos. It's from Skogos. Um, which Liz, I thought was a really interesting that we were using the Sightless Eye. Liz, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I'm kind of stuck thinking about where all of this started. How did we get in the middle of this? Because it would have been it would have been so easy for us to have our character to have just died in because the vest. How did we get? Because Mephisto saved us. But why did he pick yeah, us? But I, I think it goes back farther than that. I think it goes back to the very beginning of the game where you are, uh, you know, you're on your horse going through all of these areas. You're just traveling. And then it, your horse, your horse makes a break for it and you find it and it is, it's dead. It's torn apart. And it's not like it's been attacked by demons, which would still be around, be scavenging it. It's not like it's been attacked by predators who would also still be there eating it. It's, you find your horse dead and alone. And then in that cinematic, a wolf runs across the foreground, a black wolf. I think Mephisto saw you, saw a, an individual who maybe had some potential and all he had to do was wait for, you know, he's waiting for someone to come into contact with Lilith to get someone with this connection to Lilith that could maybe, maybe be used against her. And I think maybe Mephisto, at the very beginning, he kills your horse and then he guides you to Nevesk, to Lilith. And then he, you know, just every time you need it, he shows up and gives you a little help, gives you a little nudge in the direction you need to go. And I think Mephisto definitely wanted to get in that soul stone. I think he totally did. And he keeps pushing you towards it, saying he's helping you. He's helping you to defeat Lilith. You want to defeat Lilith? I want to defeat Lilith. Let's be buddies. But in the end, you know, you're you're talking with Narelle about, oh, do we put Mephisto in the soul stone? Do we put, you know, what are we going to do with this? And he can hear you. It's not like you're yeah, having a private saying, conversation. You, you make sure that you want to do this. And this I mean, will change the fate the, of sanctuary forever. Yeah, there at the end, he says, you you know, he really starts at the very, very end, while you're debating this, he really starts to push. He's like, no, you need to imprison Lilith. 
Because otherwise, if you imprison me, Lilith's just going to get me. And he has all of these reasons why, no, no, you need to get Lilith. You need to get Lilith. And he's just, obviously, when the Lord of Hatred tells you, no, you need to do this thing, you're going to say, hang on, hang on. I don't know if that's, that sounds like a really bad idea now. And you do the opposite thing. I think Mephisto was manipulating us into this position since the very beginning. He's moving the pieces on the chessboard into place. And maybe he's tried this a hundred times on different people just to kind of push them in the right direction. It was a really large barn full of bodies that we come across, just saying. Yes, yes, it is. When we wake up in Nevesk, we are literally in a barn full of corpses that these people have been slaughtering. Let's also make this point, which I don't think is immediately apparent to people. Nevesk (laughs) is practically on the Hawazar border. Yep. And when you start doing quests in Hawazar, one of the quest chains you can find, it's not not directly part of the story, but you find out uh, that a a churchman is like, hey, um, I'm a Zacharim priest. Uh, my my assistant is just he left he he went on this mission with this this swordsman and i i don't know what happened to him and i'd like you to try to find him and i'm just going to spoil it for you guys now if you've seen the original diablo through four cinematic from 2019 it's that priest mm-hmm. simon poor yeah, simon simon and as you go through it uh, you meet the one person who survived because they didn't go on the last leg of the mission. They were like, I'm done with this. This, these people are creepy. And that person leads you to a old town, to a town with an old Zachary church. And you go into the church and in the church, there's, you know, the, the, the basement place happens to be that place you see in the cinematic. And this was, it's funny because up until this point, I've never made this connection, even though I should have, <laughs> because the actor is the same and you could hear it's the same voice. But the guy with the eye patch, who's talking to Simon uh, at first, who they leave behind, is Elias. Yeah, <laughs> it's the same guy. He was just in disguise, probably using magic. And I just—it never occurred to me until I was watching it in the game. I'm like, wait a minute, that's Elias's voice. That guy was yeah. Elias the whole time. I never, <laughs> it never hit me that he set this whole thing up and brought this guy with him to do the sacrifice. Because he knew from the beginning that there was no treasure there. He needed three people. Yeah. He needed the blood of the willing by three. They come. He needed three people. And at the beginning of that cinematic, you see he, he is like dragging Simon along. Mm-hmm. He is dragging him. He, his other companions are like, no, leave him. He's just going to die. And he's like, no, I, he's in his head. Nope. I need the blood of three willing people. So I got to have Simon. Yeah. And plus, he needs Simon to also be the one doing the readings. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's great. It's and it is. Well, from he needed Simon to become a willing person. Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But the other thing is, they the, got the other two to be willing with greed. But the other thing is, is, when that's done, Lilith comes forth. That's their like their first stop was Hawazar. Like they went from there out of Hawazar. They then left and they entered into Nevesk. Like he he put himself in the place. Like Mephisto as the wolf put himself in the place he knew she'd have to go to get to what she wanted because she wanted Rathma and he knew where Rathma was buried. He knew where the, 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 the tomb of the firstborn was, you know, the necropolis, the, the necro, my God, I can't say necropolis, necropolis, necropolis of the firstborn. <laughs> he knew where it was. So he knew she's gonna go here. That's where the key is because Rathma has the key. I, I wrote a, a thing about this where I actually called, uh, Mephisto, the granddaddy of sanctuary. And I wasn't <laughs> kidding, but I was kind of tongue in cheek about it. But seriously, this is, he, he, I think it's very possible. We, we don't know what 
Mephisto knows about that prophecy, but it's quite possible he knows the prophecy. I mean, it's also possible that he created the prophecy, but that's a whole other thing. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I, mean, I don't think so, just because I think that the serpent wouldn't have known he was doing it. Yes, but and what if... would have advised Rathma pro- you know, properly on that front, but it's quite possible Rathma knew it and didn't care. Because prophecies do have power beyond their own existence. Mm-hmm. At any rate, though, Mephisto's game, his long-term game, I mean, the very fact that there's like, it's it's Mephisto's power we're dealing with for most of this game. Like, he, he's yeah. all over these places. It's all he's about, all over these streets. It's all about hatred. It's hatred's infection. It's hatred's presence. It's the, the prophecy is about hatred. And that's why your idea that, that uh, Prava is somehow controlled by or even infected by or in, inhabited by a, par, a piece of Mephisto is interesting to me because it is literally we're shown time and again that the Cathedral of Light is making the exact same it does the exact same kind of stuff that the Church of Zacharum did. Mm-hmm. It even starts yeah. making vampires. Which is a whole other thing. Yeah. What's the deal yes. with all the vampires? We haven't really got into that. I, I mean, feel like that's going to be at least a, a like a season thing. I mean, I feel like they had a vampire problem well before there's All a, of this came down. There's a there's a weird blood chapel underneath the very monastery yeah. you are, that Inarius was hanging out. You in. literally, yeah. You, there's I mean, no way, and there's no way he didn't know about that. I think a part of the problem with Inarius, he doesn't care. He doesn't care about anything. He only cares about being the center of the prophecy and getting back to heaven. So if he knows about it, if he doesn't know about it, he doesn't care. Making vampires, whatever, doesn't concern me. But I think we're at time, unless there's anything else you guys want to <laughs> to add to this. I mean, there's. This- there yeah, are so many more things, Joe. Hour, you Joe. have no idea. <laughs> yeah, just you're gonna have to call it now because otherwise, you know, we'll yeah, never leave. there's there's a lot in this game. There's a lot more. This is a lot more lore dense than we've seen a Diablo be in a very, very, oh, very yeah. long ever, time. Ever, ever. I, I mean, we haven't even really talked about the events underneath Skazglen. Why did why did Asterios attack Skazglen? Why did he do it after ninety percent of the world was wiped out? What was going I on also- there? I also wonder if that was Mephisto. Mephisto was getting him out there well, so Lilith can think- find him and get into hell and he could get out. Or was it part of something else? Because don't forget, again, Mephisto targeted the witches. Druids are in that same vein. Druids- oh, true. And they did just, they wiped out the druids over there. They specifically wiped out the druids and, and, and decimated then, that. Yeah. And without the druids there... Donan invited the Cathedral Light in to, you know, help out. And they're also persecuting the Druids. I think Mephisto's just really trying to spread hatred everywhere. He's trying to get his little fingers into every part of Sanctuary by spreading hatred, by corrupting the Zach Room, by having this Inarius in the middle of the Cathedral of Light, and again, spreading the hatred that Mephisto himself says he defined, he defined the hatred in Inarius. So there's hatred everywhere, and that kind of means Mephisto is everywhere influencing even if he's not you know actually physically present even though he's reforming even though he's in a soul stone hatred is everywhere well what is it that uh Andariel they talked about Andariel Andariel was just down for all the suffering yeah mm-hmm. look at all the hatred yeah if, if the, all the it's hatred everywhere. is there Mephisto doesn't have to be doing anything but feeding on it he can just you know proper word a proper moment just get somebody to give in to their baser nature. Even like even the good people in Sanctuary, like you you mentioned that you did the uh sister oh I can't yeah, remember. Sister her name. Octavia. Yeah, you did the sister Octavia question. She's a good person. Yeah. But when it when pushed to it, she just straight up tells that other priest, Priest Madfoy, 
oh, what are you going to tell her? If I'm going to go on that pyre, you're coming with me. Yeah, Matvey comes and basically accuses you all of heresy for doing this ritual, which mm-hmm. has kind of been abandoned, this blood ritual. And yeah, she comes out swinging, you know? Uh, she goes right at him. And and if- even good people in Sanctuary have to be hard. And And that's the thing. Hatred isn't inherently evil. Like, if you hate injustice, that's not, you know, Tyrael hates injustice, <laughs> you know? Hatred is something everybody feels. People hate things. It's just part of what we are. Like and I said, there's a reason that the the seven evils and the uh, and and Gears Council are you know patterned after emotions. Yeah, there's there's a lot. To do. But yeah, you you should stop us. Please stop. Us. I am absolutely going to because Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at Patreon.com/slash/BlizzardWatch. Your continued support means that this podcast signing community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, better chance to have your question answered on our podcast or the Q&A ads reset experience. Again, this is the end of this particular series of recounting the game, which means now we are open for business on those questions that you have, our wonderful <laughs> listeners. Be sure to send those into podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Uh, specify that it is for this show and where the Diablo questions go, because I know Matt would absolutely be heartbroken if we have to talk about Diablo for several more weeks. Um, you can also oh, no. hit us up. <laughs> oh, yeah. It would be so bad. You can also hit us up on our, our Discord server. We have one set aside for our Patreon supporters as a way of saying thank you for supporting us in our continued endeavors. That's our Patreon Q and Podcast Questions channel. And if you can't support us on Patreon uh, and you don't want to send us an email, you can also hit us up on our Q and Podcast Questions channel. Let us know what your question is and we'll be more than happy to Take a crack at it as time allows. But with that, folks, I do want to thank Liz for joining us on our journey. Thank you, Liz. This has been an adventure. It has absolutely been an adventure. And we'll see you next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.